have some very, very bad people in the caravan. You have some very tough criminal elements within the caravan. But I will seal off the border before they come into this country. Wow, that could be quite the showdown. Are you going to use a good cock for that? A good indoor-outdoor cock? Now, do they have a uh, motivation to get here before the midterms? I mean, I don't know who's orchestrating this. If I didn't know any better, I would think Trump is orchestrating it. <laughs> I mean, I, I know he's not, but um, God, if I, if I were if I were Trump, what I would want is: can you have a thousands and thousands of illegals attempting to cross into the country right before the election? I love and refusing to take no for an answer. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. This is an annual trip, though I believe, but uh, staged by activist groups, but. Perhaps David Drucker can help us with that. He's the senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner and joins us joins us now. Hello, David. How are you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. So this caravan dealio, it's it's an annual event, right? More or less? Uh, more or less, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's an interesting and an understandable political message from the president. He's trying to highlight uh, the Republican Party's support for his border policy and warning that, you know, if if Democrats control Congress, his control of national security somehow won't matter, and the caravan will storm in. So, you guys square that circle for me. The um, well, at least that's an issue. Uh, taking in some of the the shows over the weekend, your TV shows, your meets the press, your faces the nation. There's so much discussion of the of, of of the numbers with various races around the country. The one thing I have no interest in talking about is the. You know who's likely to win and who's not. How about we wait till it happens? And no, and, and, no, <laughs> no, we don't. We don't do that. We <laughs> yeah. want to talk about who's likely to win and lose right now before it actually. And so it's, that, you know we're, we're we're more emotionally prepared on on election. Night. But the, but the conversation never pivots to policy or or what or or anything that would mean for the country or the citizens of the country if the Democrats won or the Republicans won. I think because it wouldn't matter much. I think. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I think I, I think it's actually fair to say that if you actually get out there and travel, which I've been doing, and a lot of my colleagues have been doing, most of us that cover this. That's what the candidates are talking about, Republican and Democrat. I mean, look, I was in uh, two states last week talking to candidates um, and talking to voters, and they're not talking about what we're talking about, and neither are the candidates. Um, I was in Michigan in a suburban Detroit House district. I was in Montana covering that all-of-a-sudden competitive Senate race. And everybody out there is talking about issues um, as well as, however, I should add, as well as some of the political messaging that, that you know, they're in favor of on both sides. What are the main issues uh, you're hearing as you, as you listen to people talk? Well, look, if you're covering Democrats, what they're talking about is health care. I mean, just plain and simple. Their Democratic candidates, believe it or not, are, are not talking about impeachment. They're not talking about uh, Trump's latest tweet. They're talking about um, health care. They're criticizing the Republican tax overhaul. Um, they're talking about, you know, things like that. Maybe they're talking about putting a, you know, a check on all Republican control of Washington. They're putting, talking about balancing out President Trump. Uh, but that's what they're largely talking about. And you, look, you talk to Republicans and they're, they'll, they're talking about how well the economy is doing and why put people in charge that are going to reverse the president's policies. And they're also talk, talking about immigration from a policy perspective. They're talking about national security from a policy perspective democrats 
are talking about national security from a policy perspective in terms of the president's uh, trade policies that they think have been uh, damaging in terms of, you know, him picking fights with, with American allies. So these are the discussions that are actually happening out there. And it's funny, I don't really, I've been out there so much, I don't really think about it, but even voters, and you know, most of the time when I want to know what voters think about horse face or the caravan or, you know, everything else, I actually have to raise the issue. That's interesting. Uh, that is so I, damned interesting. How about global warming? Is that on that list, too? Well, if you're a Democrat, you're talking about climate change. Okay. Sure. And if you're a Republican, you're talking, you know, if you're talking about it, it's about not over-regulating um, and, and things of that matter. And, and it depends on where you go. I mean, look, you're, you're in Montana, and the weather's perfect, uh, more or less, and, and you're, you don't see, a, a, you know, anything other than blue in the sky or white, you know, whether it's a white cloud or for miles. So there's no pollution, which doesn't exist in Montana, as far as you can tell. I'd like to body slam you for bringing up Montana. (laughs) David Drucker's online, senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. I think it's pretty damn interesting that Trump now has precisely the same approval rating that Bill Clinton and Barack Obama had at this point in their presidency when they both got shellacked in the midterms. I just find that interesting. Yeah, well, look, it's because the Republican Party, Republican voters um, like Trump. So when you have a, you know, a country that's sort of split down the middle, you know, here, there, depending on where independents go and some partisans wander here and there. I mean, you know, Republicans have really only at times they've been concerned about Trump, but they've never rejected him. So he has the support of the Republican Party, which is why you see most Republicans, not all, but most Republicans, you know, are embracing him in some fashion. And where it's really tough is for those House Republicans in lean D districts because the, Trump sort of changed the map. For you know, for you, you look, Minnesota is like a, Minnesota is a great example. So you have these more exurban rural seats that have been Democrat for decades, and you have these two suburban seats, which um, a little swingy, but basically have been Republican. It looks like the Republicans are going to lose those suburban seats, but they're going to gain from the Democrats those ex-urban and rural seats because the president sort of reordered the coalition a little bit for the Republican Party. But that's where Democrats have their chance in the House to gain, which is those districts that traditionally vote Republican for Congress but have you know, just never really taken to the president. Um, the key is whether they can expand their reach a little bit beyond the Clinton districts because they're, they're going to need to win more than those, a little bit more to win the House. All right, quick note uh, to counter Jack's um, pointing out of the president's approval rating in the history of midterms. I understand that the enthusiasm gap uh, between the you know likely voters of both parties was much larger during those years, and, and it's rare that the incumbent party is fired up. Um, but Republicans have become fired up, and I understand the gap is just in like the middle single digits at this point. Let's get fired up. We are fired up. Right. Precisely my point. Thoughts, David? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that's one of the the after shocks of the Kavanaugh uh, hearings is that it gave something republic it gave something to Republicans to to fight for, to fight about, to be engaged about. I think that after Labor Day, this was settling in to a more typical wave style election where one side was really juiced and the other side was like, yeah, I'm going to vote, but whatever, you know, we control everything and I'm just don't have anything to be mad about. And then the Democrats, those on the left that pushed the Kavanaugh stuff and the Democrats in the Senate that embraced it 
it just, you know, a lot of conservatives or Republicans that were a little bit disengaged uh, woke up and it did, you know, something else. A lot of times you talk to a Republican, base Republicans, and they'll tell you they like President Trump, but, you know, those Republicans in Congress, they don't fight hard enough. They don't help the president enough. All of a sudden you see Senate Republicans and President Trump on the same page fighting against the Democrats for this nomination. And I think you have a lot of base Republicans right now that have a lot higher of an opinion of Republicans in Congress and particularly the Republican majority than they did beforehand. And so I think that that could make a difference in some of these um, really tough Republican-leaning districts where Democrats are competing very well. Now, it clearly is making a difference in the Senate where Democrats were already on the defensive in a lot of these red states, Tennessee. um, Well, Tennessee's a Republican-held state, but you had a very popular former Democratic governor that um, is competing there, and I think this hurt him. And then you've got Missouri, North Dakota, uh, Montana, um, Indiana. These are, you know, this is red territory. Democrats were in a much better position to try and hold pre-Kavanaugh than post-Kavanaugh. So I see a scenario now where uh, Republicans could lose the House and add some Senate seats. Mm. I see a scenario where they could narrowly hold the House majority. I do think Democrats are going to win a lot of House seats. They just they got to get to 23. All right. Well, let's leave it there with David Drucker, Washington Examiner. Well done, David. Always a pleasure. Thanks a bunch. Anytime. Thank you. All right. We'll talk again soon. I mentioned my theory uh, last week that I actually think the the, moon landing was faked. That one. The part that that theory. That's one of my theories. Um, The party that loses the presidency has so much anger built up that they need a release valve. Oh, yeah. And they win in the midterm, and then that president gets reelected. That has happened several times now mm-hmm. in modern history. I think it would be bad news for Trump if the Republicans ran the table again, because you wouldn't have that release valve for Democrats. And I think they would just, that, that side of politics would just be going insane by the 2020 presidential election with no release. And it would be very hard for him to win. I can find no counter-argument other than if big events intervened. Oh, yeah, that's always a wild card. But you're right. I think you're absolutely right. So I think for Trump himself, he'd be better off if Dems at least win something two weeks from tomorrow and kind of feel like, there, we stuck it to Trump. Unless, unless over the next two years it becomes utterly clear that he's made America great again. (laughs) Bingo! I could follow up with the most amazing stat that I've seen so far out of all the stats. Although Trump at 47%, I think is pretty amazing. You know, like Marshall's dumb coffee studies, I'd like to see that replicated. (laughs) I'm not that surprised that he's at 47%, but if you took in most mainstream media, you would think he was in single digits, and all of America agrees with you. If you're the New York Times or the Washington Post or most of the cable channels. Plus, if you won the Mega Millions lottery, you'd have a bigger GDP than the Seychelles. Is that a country? Yes, it's islands. She sells Seychelles down by the seashore. You'd have a bigger GDP than Gambia. And is cow's milk a symbol of white supremacy? Clearly it is. Petta says so. Stay tuned to the Yogurts for child molesters. Stay with (laughs) me. Wow. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
focusing on the wrong thing with this caravan, but I just don't understand how you, your average person walks 1,600 miles. Um, if you're a, I think you are getting a little bogged down. If you're a trained distance walker, this trained distance walker says, it would take you a month to walk that for. For 5,000 ordinary people, it would take three months. I don't know how they came up with that math. Yeah, they're jumping on buses and trains they gotta and stuff be. for part of it. The marching part is just, it's a demonstration. Which is fine. And I think their cause is the U.S. has to let in anybody from Central America who has a crappy life. So here's, And I don't say that dismissively. It's nasty. Oh, yeah. Uh, here's the latest tweet from the president, which is getting a lot of attention. Sadly, it looks like Mexico's police and military are unable to stop the caravan. Skip Sad. ahead. Um... Blah, blah, blah. Criminals and unknown Middle Easterners are mixed in. That is a new angle he has thrown in. Mm. I've alerted Border Patrol and military that this is a national emergency. Must change laws. Criminals and unknown Middle Easterners. Without clarifying exactly what he meant or intelligence, yes. I don't know if there's unknown Middle Easterners in there or not. Well, they're known, apparently, if he's telling us about them. Now they're known. So doesn't that ruin it? Finally. Um, and uh, I promised you a stat on the whole election that I thought was really interesting. So on Election Day 2016... And tell us who MBZ is. Election Day 2016, Donald Trump surprised the world by being elected president. Good reset, um, in case you weren't paying attention. And voters who said they hate both parties, two to one went for Trump. And I completely understand that. Yes. It's a, let's just try something completely different. What right. the hell? And Hillary was the polar opposite. Sure. She was the, let's stay on the same path we've been on for 100 years. Yeah, calculated, professional, longtime political figure. Couldn't represent the, the two-party system as, as we've known it more. Um, well, this time around, the I don't like either party crowd is three to one leaning Democrat. Wow. So that's quite a flip. Stunning. Which, which like I, I said before Trump was elected, I'd be fine with... Changing parties every two years until until they sort out to be something. Hmm. Like a- actual opposing views of something instead of we continue to get bigger government no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And things like immigration never get solved. Just throw them out every two years until until maybe some group of people decide, you know, we need to represent a point of view and mean it. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm a professional politician, I think this is perfect. We get power every other cycle, and then we shout out the other guys for a couple of years in between. Oh, right, right, right. Nothing ever changes. Yeah, they they keep their jobs, most of them. Yeah. I I wish we could go with like eight straight years of total Democrat control, and then eight straight years of total Republican control, and then just... You know, compare the results. Compare the results and That'd go be from there. Good. But that's not the way human beings work, right? You know, uh, it'll, we're doomed. In short, so there's no sh- system that can be devised to end our doom. So shortly after the election of President Trump, Jared Kushner went in and sat down with a whole bunch of people with a big map of the Middle East, and they had a discussion. With the main concern being that Iran is trying to take over the entire Middle East, which they are. Yes, and. The only thing standing in the way of that... Mostly over an 800-year-old religious dispute. Right, between the Shiites and the Sunnis. Right. And uh, Iran is Shiite and Saudi Arabia is Sunni. Holy Shiite. And and the only thing standing in the way of that, at least the way he felt at the time, was MBZ. He's the guy that runs the UAE. There's a lot of... uh, 
A lot of initials there. Listening to an eye chart over here. Yes, the United <laughs> Arab Emirates. MBZ is hardcore. Look, Iran's gonna is gonna beat us down, and not just like they'll have the edge. They're going to eliminate us. That's what they're trying to do. Kill right. us all. The MBZ, nukes, etc. MBZ's been on that train for a long time. MBZ hated the Obama administration making the nuclear deal with Iran. Look, you don't understand what these guys are up to. Mm. They're like Nazis. They want to take over this region of the world and destroy us all. Like kill us. Right. Um, and you got Israel's vote on that, too. And MBZ got MBS's ear early on as MB, MBS was climbing the ladder there in Saudi Arabia. Trying to get his MBA. <laughs> <laughs> they joined the NRA. They turned to NBC. So in th- so and started at the sitcom and got on the TV show CSI. Jeez. <laughs> CSI and Y. The New York version. Yes. And these are the ABCs of the Middle East. <laughs> All right. So MBZ, right. his claim is... Should they ever get the weapons that we are all worried about them getting, we are going to be the first targets oh, yeah. of their use. Yeah, they're going to kill us. They're going to, as MBZ and M- MBS and Jared Kushner believe, Iran is out to destroy everybody that's not them and take over, which they are, mm. I think. So that is their plan. Seem. And so MBZ spent millions of dollars in op-eds and lobbying in the United States for these puff pieces about MBS that made us all believe uh. He was the up-and-coming Gorbachev Gandhi of the Middle East. Oh, boy. MBZ spent so much money influencing the country that we all had that point of view, whether it was Washington Post pieces or that 60 Minutes piece and got in Obama's ear and everything like that because he knew my boy MBS is on my side against Iran. And who was blowing the whistle? Old man Khashoggi? Yeah, well, so they hate the Muslim Brotherhood a lot, MBZ uh-huh. and MBS, and right. Khashoggi's in with the Muslim Brotherhood. I don't know what role that plays. I don't have any idea, but the Muslim Brotherhood is the largest Islamist group in the world, and, and Khashoggi was a member of them at least for a while, seemed to be very sympathetic to their the views of the world, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and these guys are absolutely not. They also launched that war in Yemen because they believe that that is, you know, one of Iran's many steps toward trying to take over the Middle East, and we're not in favor of that. But Jared Kushner talks to MBS all the time. They're tight. Wow. Which makes it weird on how Trump, at least a couple of times, has said there's going to be major, major price to pay for this. Is he talking S to Pisa, or does he mean that? Uh, steam release valve? I don't know. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the Turks are rushing to what may be a Khashoggi crime scene. We'll have the latest on that. And the Lakers, Rockets, on-court fight. You had punches, shoving, and spitting. Coming up. Spitting? What? Did anybody bring a bone saw? (laughs) (laughs) You show up to a fight, you got to bring a bone saw. (laughs) Be ready. (laughs) You're, you're You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Get in the batting cage so they can become a star and make a lot of money. Maybe they should be doing this. Here's how a guy makes a half a million dollars a year playing Fortnite. 27-year-old dude. $500,000 a year playing Fortnite because he's so good at it. Wow. Um, among other things on the way, let's get the news with Marsha Phillips. Well, as far as the Khashoggi investigation goes, Turkish crime scene investigators have just arrived at an underground car park in Istanbul where authorities earlier found a vehicle belonging to the Saudi consulate, a large police van arriving at the car park uh, again this morning. News reports say the car was left there two weeks ago. 
so they are treating this as a possible crime scene at this time. I don't know what we're doing here. I mean, just I don't know what we're doing here. We all agree, right? They killed him on purpose and cut him up. Yeah. Now let's get to the politics of it. Right. I mean, because I the you know building the case. I don't know. Right. Although I kind of like to hear it because it makes the denial all the more ridiculous. But yeah, the basic facts are pretty well established. Meanwhile, you got the Turkish president Erdogan saying he will reveal information about the killing of the Saudi journalist in a speech tomorrow to Parliament, in which he will quote go into full detail. Yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, what's with the whole reality show layout of a? And on Tuesday, we will reveal what's Turkey up to. Meanwhile, you've got a lot of Republicans, prominent Republicans, saying, you know something, it is time to walk away from the Saudis. This is not cool. Senator Rand Paul said this. That's a crazy move. That's Senator, crazy. Yeah, Senator Rand Paul said this isn't the first incident in the Saudi world. This isn't the first incident. This is just another in the line of long incidents of uh, Saudi insults to the civilized world. Now, Paul and a number of others are saying we should uh, send the Saudi ambassador home, you know, have him lead the country until this is resolved. I'm not so, saying I, I'm positive it's the wrong move, but it'd be a crazy, that'd be a big deal to sever mm-hmm. our ties with yep. Saudi Arabia. That would make Israel nervous as hell, and Iran would have parades. Yeah. And that wouldn't be cool, Rand. Uh, Book Rand Paul. I want to ask him what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> President Trump not letting up, continuing to blast Democrats for that caravan of migrants heading towards the U.S.-Mexico border. On Twitter this morning, he blamed what he called pathetic immigration laws on the Dems and said it was unfair to those who come to the country legally. The caravans, he tweeted, are a disgrace to the Democratic Party. Change the immigration laws now, in caps. In other news, you got the U.S. But but you have the House and the Senate. Why aren't you changing them? Or why don't you have a plan everybody's heard about that's being held up in the Senate by the Democrats? That Come on now. In other news, Elon Musk says the public could get a chance to try out his proposed transport loop as soon as December 11th. Really? Yep. <clears throat> Musk, CEO of Tesla, SpaceX, and in this case, the Boring Company's been pushing development of an underground transportation system that can carry people underneath Los Angeles at 155 miles an hour. <whistles> if you could uh, travel at 30 miles per hour across L.A., that would be a victory. Yes. That would be a huge improvement. Musk saying on Twitter that the test tunnel is just about done underneath Hawthorne, California, and could offer free rides to the public following a special event that is planned for December 10th. So who's going to squeegee you off the window after the stop at 150 oh, miles you an hour? To you. Why don't you get on a mule and ride to work? Yeah, so this first, thing, I, this first thing that he's re- revealing in December is going to be much more of just kind of a demonstration, a promotional thing, not really full commercial use is probably the wrong term, but full use yet. Yeah, but those it's, first uh, tests, It's a soft open. Those first test riders yeah. will be missed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, Elon, I, uh, Joe Getty, I'm with you. I believe in you, Elon. <laughs> and nobody won the big prize in either Mega or the Powerball lottery, so that yes! means... Even more money, because that wasn't enough before. Yes. Now if I have a little more, then all my dreams will come true. Powerball! It That's means right, son. There's now more than $2 billion up for grabs this week. Mega millions, a U.S. record jackpot of more than a billion and a half dollars. Powerball up to $620 million. You win that, you'll have a better year than Antigua and Barbuda. You'll have a higher GDP than Guinea slash Bissau. 
or Grenada or the Solomon Islands or Gambia. I think you'll be approximately four Taylor Swifts if you win that in terms of just your net worth. So you could give a thousand people a million dollars. Yes. Yes. And to me, that makes way more sense, but that's not what people want. No, that nobody does, wants that. That, does not that would be well. stupid. <laughs> right. A thousand people each get a million dollars. Change your life forever. But uh, no, that's not what people want. They yeah. want a billion. That changed my life for uh, like a good eight months, but they would be a really good eight months. <laughs> Lakers forward Brandon Ingram and guard uh, Rajon Rondo serving suspensions over an on-court brawl that broke out with the Houston Rockets guard Chris Paul during Saturday night's game. It's hot now. Paul oh, punches a throw. Paul and Rondo throwing punches. Ingram comes in. He's throwing punches. Security trying to separate. So are some of the teammates. There's going to be suspensions for this one as Rondo immediately heads back to the locker room. Ingram still joined. Carmelo Anthony still joined. But I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach. Was that Dirk Nowitzki? I detected German accent. <laughs> when when did the sp- did the spitting start the punching or how did this all? No, go down? it started when Ingram pushed. Tell James. you what, spitting will lead to punching a hundred percent of the time. A couple of the wives got into it in the stands. What? Too. Oh, yeah. now I'm interested. Uh, Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers also ejected. What? Yes. 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 What? Yes. He went berserko. That's Best true. Best fight ever. <laughs> Who, who, who'd he fight? Somebody from uh, the Foo Fighters? No, or what? He, he was yelling at Chris yeah. Paul as he was going off, uh, being escorted off the court, right. and ended up kind of getting in a little chest bump with one of the Rockets officials who was also walking him off. Did he yell in repetitive rhymes? Sweet bandana, sweet Louisiana, got a can of banana. So, All right, that's enough of that. Get out. Where was LeBron during the fight? I standing think he was, to the side. He was he was, off the his side. first role was yeah. restraining Chris yeah. Paul, the point guard on the opposite team. Who are they? They are kind right. of friendly as well. Um, but yeah, as soon as the the first couple punches were thrown, he he bear hugged Paul and kind of. I'm took telling him off you, the side. we learned something from the Saudis. You show up to a fight with a bone saw, <laughs> right? And then somebody walks out of the arena in LeBron's jersey with a fake beard. No, I saw it on the uh, on the replay. Yeah. One of the, one of the team doctors was reaching into his bag for the bone saw. <laughs> he pulled it halfway out, then put it back in. Barbarian, right uh, gotta zoom in. You Ron- can see it. Rondo, <laughs> and- do we have any uh, information on who expectorated at home? Rondo uh, and Paul got into each other's faces, and Rondo. Allegedly spit in his face. Yeah, Rondo say they yeah. were jawing back and forth. Yeah. Then there's a very slight. You can. It's almost intentionally trying to do it under the radar. <laughs> Just kind of spitting at him. He oh, didn't hog a loogie, oh, but he spat oh, at him. Oh my! And then that's when the pushing and the swinging, yeah. and the, that's when the rest. That's of it my started. former neighbor, you know, Rajon Rondo. That's right. Yeah. Did he ever spit at you? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fought him like four or five times. <laughs> oh, there you go. It, was, it, was, it happened so much, I don't even remember how many times. He just, <laughs> at some point, it's, oh, that's just Rajon being Rajon. Yeah, and you, and I, your I come home, fought. I'm bleeding from the nose. And, and Judy and, fought his wife. And, right, well, of course, yeah. She's going to back me up, yeah. I'd come in with a bloody nose, Judy would be like, did you fight Rajon Rondo again? <laughs> he spit on he me. He spit on me. Various members of your band would get involved. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. I'm starting Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation. That's the best sports story ever. It's a good one. I like that kind of sports story. Yeah. Scores, bah. especially that, this early. That guy coming out of the stands at the Chicago Blackhawks game and getting to play used to be my favorite story. Now this is. He um, got spitting and punching and wives and chili peppers. This is great. <laughs> Marshall, you got to get yeah. to that story. The Trump administration's new look at transgender or yeah. whatever that is. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. We'll do that. 
fair amount Poland. of attention. We're backing out of the big uh, nuclear treaty with Russia because yep. they cheat so much. Yeah, which some people think is horrifying. Coming up, and we'll have the link so you can do this at home. And Marshall should probably stay with us for this. It's our fake health news generator. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, if Gwyneth Paltrow is listening, she was she's <laughs> jotting down notes on this. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. She's a Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Yes, there was a migrant caravan last year, or fairly recently, this texture uh, reminds us. And I, I yeah. think about that now and then. I remember that being a big deal, and I have no memory of how it ended. How did it end? Just some of them made it into the country and are still here. Yeah, we got turned loose as their applications are being processed, and they will... Either show up for their hearings or they won't. Also, the uh, the kids getting separated from their parents. There's a large number of kids that still aren't with their parents because the parents got departed, deported and have let it be known, we don't want our kids back in the country. We want, we want them to stay in the U.S., which is a hell of a thing. Yeah. And it, it kind of detracts from the whole narrative of how incredibly heartbreaking it is that they're separated for a couple of days or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, they're desperate people. I don't deny that. Cow's milk is a symbol of white supremacy, according to PETA. That coming up. Ah, they're geniuses. Getting attention. A couple of pieces of health news here. In a controversial move, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is moving toward finalizing the approval of a highly addictive opioid, said to be even more addictive than uh, fentanyl. Uh, Ten to three vote. D-S-U-V-A-I-A, Desuvia, as a medical treatment for adults experiencing moderate to severe acute pain. Uh, The drug company uh, uh, person, Spokeshole, says, We look forward to continued collaboration with the FDA on the application as we believe Desuvia represents an important non-invasive acute pain management option with potential blah, blah, blah. And we'll work with them to make sure it's not abused. It's, an, it's a form of sufentanil, which is more potent than fentanyl and morphine, can be sold as an under-the-tongue tablet. God, I know. It's associated with a high risk for addiction and dependency. I know we've talked about this a lot, but man, that, the whole pain management thing, they started in with the what you, always asking you what your pain is on a scale of one to whatever. And then they started handing out. Pain is a vital sign, they yeah, decided. Yeah. Because people weren't being treated for pain. But then anything, you know, if you got government bureaucrats who look at these things once every few years, it's going to veer wildly from one extreme to the other. So now you got doctors who are afraid to not give out pills because they'll get demoted or complained about or get bad Yelp reviews. And so you got a generation of people dying. Uh, it's D-S-U-V-I-A, Desuvia. So look for stories about uh, West Virginians and Ohioans uh, dying of that. God, I'm not taking any dang pain medication unless I'm in really, really bad shape. I'll tell you that. The whole getting hooked on it sounds rough. Wow, listen to this. According to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, an estimated 21 to 29% of individuals, we'll say a quarter, split the difference, 
who hold an opioid prescription improperly use the medication. What percent? Uh, between 21 and 29 percent. Of wow. the quarter of people who misuse the drug, about 4 to 6 percent will use heroin. That's 4 to 6 percent of the 25 percent. But anyway, got a brand new super scary addictive one coming on the market. That'll go well. Somebody will make a lot of money. Go buy a bunch in Florida and sell them to your friends. Uh, and this, the fake news, the fake health news generator, sent along by alert listener uh, Allison. Almost all health news is fake health news. That's we correct. talked about a couple of weeks ago. All right, Jack, I'm going to need your eye color, the first letter of your first name, your birth month, and first letter of your last name. So what color are your eyes? Uh, blue. Okay. Uh, uh, sleeping with, J, turmeric. February, in your hair, first letter of your last name, A, removes toxins. <laughs> That's right. Sleeping with turmeric in your hair removes toxins. Let's do... I should try that. Let's do Sean. What color are your eyes? Uh, hazel. Oh, so that's the other. Uh, visualizing... Is hazel different than green? Uh, it's uh, more brown, depending on okay. the color of shirt I'm wearing, so gotcha. I've been told. Uh, you know, my eyes, when I was a kid, were, were half brown, half green. Not one each, but both. And they're they're beautiful. Like uh, a men and women would stop on the street and, and gaze into my eyes. <laughs> Hold on, just, just let me look. And then they went all brown. Really? Imagine my disappointment. All right, so first letter of your name is S. What's your birth month? Uh, December. And uh, first letter of your last name is T. Okay, for Sean... Visualizing garlic. Uh huh. I'm doing it right now. In your underwear. Yes. Go unclogs on. arteries. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, why don't we do uh, so Michael not actually putting it in my underwear? Just no, just visualizing. Simply it. the act of visualizing garlic in my underwear. What uh, What color are your eyes? Uh, bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Brown. All right. So rubbing ginger. When's your birth month? April. Rubbing ginger on your face cures cancer. Wow! Those are all as likely to be true as any of those studies you hear released. Right. I feel like that should be bigger news. (laughs) Finally, I'll do mine. Uh, Putting, or I'm I'm a turmeric again. Let me, I'll go with my middle name, which is Walter. Uh, Putting activated charcoal in your hair. Makes you smarter. There you go. <laughs> Lucky for you. Yeah. There you go. Your fake health news generator. We'll have that link for you at uh, armstrongandgetty.com. So the New York Post picked up on this over the weekend. There was a picture for some reason of Harvey Weinstein's office, something to do with an auction or sale or something like that. Turns out the famous casting couch, maybe the most famous casting couch in the history of that term. And Harvey Weinstein's office is still sitting there. And a uh, a woman who was forced to clean that couch every day. Oh boy! She actually just had her case thrown out of court because uh, it was a it was a um, um, what do you call that? Not jurisdiction, but uh, we don't have the right. Oh, just a technicality. Yeah, of a some technicality. Sort. Yeah. But anyway, she had testified that that particular couch in Harvey Weinstein's uh, office. She had had to clean, and she gets very graphic about it, oh, and I'm not boy. going to do that no here. No need. But she had had to do that multiple times a day sometimes, day after day after day, and she worked for him for quite a while. <sighs> hey, I need you to come and clean the couch again. 
Yeah, oh. that's something. Then it gives you a little glimpse into the lifestyle of uh, of one Harvey Weinstein and for how long that this was going on. If but, you're rich, why don't you get some plastic covers for those things? Or if you're poor, throw a sheet on there. She claimed that her job included picking up Harvey Weinstein's used uh, condoms oh, Lord. and also syringes, which he used to inject an erection drug directly into his penis. <sighs> according to this uh, woman who was going to testify in this case. Yar, takes a steady hand. I'm not. As much as I like it, I ain't going that far. Right. Why don't we just go for a walk? I'll come. I'll, I'll learn to paint or come up with a hobby to distract me. Right. Before I will go that far. Yuck. So if you're gifted with the fourth hour, the award-winning fourth hour, we've got a great interview coming up. Silicon Valley working with the White House on a sabbatical to help out the government. Silicon Valley eggheads. If you don't get the fourth hour, grab the podcast. Or a and bigger antenna. And weep bitter tears of disappointment. (laughs) And then grab the podcast. Uh, You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.